Welcome to Healing Your Families. We've been talking about communication this month, and we've had several interesting guests talking about different aspects of communication for families. And today, I want to talk about how we can make our communication more effective in our families. It's so important that we communicate clearly and effectively. So let's talk about effective communication through active listening. Now, before I go any further, I want you to notice this photo I chose. This looks like a little girl who's being offered vegetables, fruits, all good healthy foods. But look at her face. You know, we communicate with more than just words, don't we? So let's examine just what is active listening. And it's, it's like the name describes, it's that listening with all of our attention to what someone else is saying. We're absorbing everything. And by doing this, we're demonstrating our unconditional acceptance of them. We're listening to understand. And more than just listening, we're responding and reflecting on what's being said. We're making sure we're clear on understanding their words and their message. And very important for family life, we're remembering it. We're, if we're planning a schedule, planning an activity, we're remembering the information for later, for when we need it. The basis of active listening is empathy, that ability to put yourself in someone else's place. Understand how you would feel if you were them. So how does active listening improve communication? Well, it establishes trust between two people. It deepens the bonds and the relationships. It strengthens the relationships. You know how you feel like your relationship has been damaged when there's a miscommunication, a misunderstanding. Active listening strengthens those relationships. It, so it's good for the relationship, and even more importantly, it leaves people feeling validated. They feel like they've been heard. Have you had that experience when someone really listened to you and you felt like you were fulfilled, you were understood? It's, it's a validating experience. And... But what are the barriers? What keeps us from enjoying this level, deep level of listening? There are two barriers, actually. The first one, environmental noise, is easy enough to fix. You may need to move to a quieter setting, turn off the TV. Just create a, a, a situation where you can hear clearly without interruption. The psychological noise is a little more challenging. That's what's going on in your head. Are you planning your response while the other person is talking? 
Are you feeling some emotions that make it hard to listen clearly and patiently? Maybe you're feeling a little bit upset and need to calm down before you can in, engage in active listening. As a parent or a family member, it's important to be able to stay calm. That's when we do our best thinking. We make the best decisions. We communicate the most effectively. And we do our best listening when we're feeling calm. But would you like to know about those people that remaining calm isn't just a good idea, it's a matter of life and death. I'm talking about soldier, soldiers in battle, police officers when they are at a crime scene in progress. These are situations when being able to remain calm and think clearly could save your life. Would you like to know what they're trained to do? You know, it's so simple. You may not, you may, you may, it's easy to discount. You may feel like, oh, how could that possibly help? Let me explain. They are advised simply to breathe, to breathe deeply. Deep breathing signals your central nervous system that it's time to relax. It increases your focus and it improves your mood by releasing endorphins. And of course, it's releasing all the toxins in your body. We have two parts to our nervous, our nervous system. First is the sympathetic, and this is the fight or flight. This is the part of our nervous system that can keep us alive when there's a crisis, help us to respond quickly. But it would be exhausting to always remain in that state. We need the parasympathetic, and this is the part of our nervous system that is the rest and digest. This is when we're able to think calmly, we're able to solve problems, we're much more effective when we're in our parasympathetic. Well, deep breathing moves you from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic. It allows you to calm down, to collect your thoughts, to think more clearly. One of my clients shared an experience with me. She took a hypnobirthing class to prepare for childbirth, and she was taught a deep breathing exercise called calm breathing. She was trained to inhale to the count of four and then exhale to the count of eight. So the exhale was longer. And she practiced this and one day had a practical application while she was still pregnant. She was rear-ended by a truck and with her little ones in the back seat and immediately began to feel that panic, that tension, that fear. And then she remembered what she had learned about calm breathing. And she began inhaling to the count of four, exhaling to the count of eight. And she was able to calm down and handle the situation and talk to the police officer and, and get 
everything, all the paperwork taken care of. So she learned a valuable lesson that breathing exercise would not only help her during childbirth, but it would help her in parenting. Think of all the times as a parent when you need to be able to calm down, to calm yourself so you can think clearly. So there is, this is taught to these people, men and women, whose very lives depend on being able to stay calm in a crisis. We can do it too as family members. Let's go through seven steps to active listening. And the first one is focus. Just being mindful, staying in the present. And that means that we're not on our phones. We're not trying to multitask. We're not doing something else. Our attention, our full attention is on this conversation and the information that's being shared. We're not daydreaming. I love this photo it, with the father and son. Notice how the father is sitting. So he's more on eye level with his son. Now, right now, it looks like the dad is talking, but I'm sure that before this, he was listening. He was listening to understand his son and what his concerns are, where he was coming from. And now he's explaining, maybe talk, teaching his son how to improve his behavior, explaining what the family structure is, what is expected of his son. Notice that there's the eye contact is good. This is effective communication. So begin by giving it your full attention. This is someone you love, someone in your family you care about, and you want to strengthen the relationship. So focus on it. And the next, pay attention to body language. These are the conscious and unconscious gestures and movements that express or convey information about what we're thinking and how we're feeling. And it includes facial expressions, posture, hand gestures, eye contact, or movement. And when listening to others, you're watching their body language to get more information about what they're feeling. Sometimes the body language is different than the words they're saying. Which one is more reliable? usually the body language, but also pay attention to what your body language is communicating to them. You might want to consider, you know, nodding your head, maybe leaning in, showing them through your body language that you are listening, that you care about them and want to understand what they have to say. When it's appropriate, smiling is a good, is good body language. Now, along with the body language, verbal cues, and these are called minimal encouragers, you know, such as replying, yes, I see, or mm-hmm, tell me more. These send that message, invite the other person to speak. 
Now, so you're aware of the verbal cues you can give that encourage communication, but also notice the verbal cues they're giving. Speakers sometimes may add extra emphasis or volume to certain words because they wanna make sure you catch them or pause because they're waiting for a response. So pay attention to the verbal cues you can give to encourage and the verbal cues that the speaker is giving. Along with that is clarify and paraphrase. It isn't enough to just listen without speaking. You want to, when you paraphrase information, put it in your own words and repeat it back so that to make sure there is understanding that you've accurately understood the message that they want to send, that they're trying to communicate. This helps aid understanding and again shows that you care. Along with this, ask questions. Ask open-ended questions that invite them to tell more. Questions that can't just be answered with a yes or a no. They, they, and they invite the speaker to elaborate on a interesting idea or important point. And you're asking the questions, especially as it's related to what they've been talking about, communicates that you've been paying attention, that you're right there with them. Now, can you see how this could nurture a relationship, strengthen that bond, help that person feel that they're cared about, and help you understand better? Remember, the basis of active listening is empathy being able to put yourself in their place. Now, sometimes, especially when we're communicating with young children, parents, it can be so tempting to just tell your, your young child, your four-year-old, just, just knock it off. You're okay. Just do it because I said so. But when practicing active listening, it's important to remain open neutral and non-judgmental. They need to feel that you understand. And of course, young children aren't able to verbalize, to put in words what they're feeling. There may need to be more observing their behavior. Children, children communicate through their behavior. Well, everyone does, but children more so. The, what's the benefit, one of the many benefits of active listening is that you, you can engage with new ideas, perspectives, and opportunities that you may never have access previously. Withholding judgment, avoiding criticism, and approaching each conversation with an open mind can open many doors. Making a judgment sending a command closes those doors. Active listening, refraining from being judgmental, just accepting them as they are, 
opens them and aids in that communication, that those strengthening those precious family relationships. And with a summarize, summarize, share, and reflect. You always want to end on a high note. Even if they've been sharing some heartbreaking news, a serious problem, find a way on ending on the high note of you understand, you feel with them, and you are committed to support them. You might share a quick summary or a few notes about what the speaker said. If they ask, you can give your thoughts and opinions in a way that demonstrates that you understand, you've digested this information. You understand, you accept them as they are, and you care about them. And sharing those thoughts and feelings quite often leads to deeper and more meaningful conversations. And again, this process in a family makes, can resolve those minor differences, can heal old wounds, and can help every member of the family feel validated. So let's review. Here are seven steps to active listening. As you go through these steps, and I invite you to try this this week. Think of a family member that Maybe you don't feel you've been communicating effectively with. Maybe there have been more misunderstandings that have caused some hurts and some confusion. Go through this process with them. In a conversation, focus. Don't try to do anything else. Pay attention to their body language. Give those encouraging verbal cues and pay attention to the cues they're sending. Clarify, ask those clarifying questions, paraphrase, say, I, I hear you're saying, or as I, from what I hear, and refrain from any judgment, any condemnation, just acceptance, empathy, and then always end on a high note. Now, what about those situations? What about those times when you are just too upset to listen? Quite often, we make the mistake of assuming that we have to solve the problem right now. And is that really true? Sometimes it's perfectly all right to acknowledge, yes, we need to have this conversation but this isn't a good time. And schedule it. Schedule when the conversation will be held. That still sends that message that you care about them, that you value this relationship, and you want to preserve it. And sometimes we may feel like we have just been triggered, and we just fly off the handle like that. I would like to remind you of something Viktor Frankl wrote. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psychology, a Jewish psychologist during World War II, and he spent three years in a concentration camp. He observed the absolute worst of humanity's man's cruelty to man. 
And he wrote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. We can choose how we respond. Maybe it was a, a knee-jerk reaction, but we can quickly recover and respond and choose what further response we'll have. I wrote an ebook, Feeling Triggered, Change Your Response. I invite you to get a free copy. Just go to that website, feelingtriggered.com. And it will explain what to do when you're in that situation. How can you quickly gain control of your emotions? How can you choose a more effective response? Thank you for joining me. I hope you join me again next week. Our speaker will be Clea Harris. And she has another, she'll be talking about some very important conversations that need to be held in families concerning family members and how we interact with them, especially as they become elderly. Some of those important yet sensitive conversations that we tend to resist. Until then, so join me again next week at the same time. Until then, love yourself and love your families. Let's make the world a better place by strengthening families. This is Emma Lou Penrod with HealingYourFamilies.com.